So as we've already said, uh, today is the first Sunday of a new year, the first Sunday of 2024. And what we don't know is what this year has in store for us, what it's going to be like, what's going to happen. Some of us, I'm sure, have begun to make plans for the year ahead. Perhaps we've got some ideas about things that we'd like to do this year, places that we'd like to go to, or people that we'd like to see. But perhaps we're starting this new year with uh, questions as well, lots of questions like, where will I be at the end of this year? What will I be doing? And I'm sure that some of us are asking the question, how am I going to cope with what's ahead this year? How can I manage what's facing me and since we're here together at church perhaps we're asking questions like what does God want me to do this year or perhaps we're asking how is God going to help me get through this year or we might even be asking where is God in the midst of all the difficulties and questions can be helpful I think I find myself constantly asking questions and one of the questions I find can be helpful is the question what what is God saying to me that can sound a little bit presumptuous like God is talking to me but I think that's the very nature of who God is that God speaks to us that's how we know that God is there because he he speaks to us he wants to speak to us so what is God saying to me and one of the things that has come to mind for me personally, as I've been thinking about this new year, is this phrase, begin as you mean to go on. Begin as you mean to go on. And after seven days, it might not feel like we've made a particularly good start to this year, especially if we want to begin as we mean to go on. But a couple of verses uh, came to mind. You don't need to look them up. I'll read them for you. The first verse was from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. And that says, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. And that word freely is going to come in our passage today. And then uh, a second verse that came to mind, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, says this, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power love and self-discipline. I think particularly self-discipline is something I lack and it's great to know that as I face the year and the challenges and what I would love to do during this year, there's this balance between what effort I can bring and what the Spirit of God who lives in us brings power, love, and self-discipline. When Jesus left the disciples, he promised them that he would send another helper, another advocate, another counselor, someone like Jesus to be with them forever, to be alongside them. And Jesus called that helper the Holy Spirit, his spirit in us. So it's the first Sunday of a new year, so it's definitely time to start something new. Um, and we're going 
back to Matthew's gospel. Um, so it's kind of a starting afresh. And it's been a while since we've looked at Matthew's gospel, but we've got 10 weeks ahead of us before Easter. So we'll work our way through these chapters from chapter 10 to chapter 13 between now and then. And that's been our pattern for the last few years, to start the year and in the springtime be looking at the gospel. So for those of you with good memories, you'll probably remember that we looked at chapters 8 and 9 at the beginning of last year. And so we're picking up in chapter 10. And we'll recap a little bit so that we can get our bearings. The title that we've chosen for this series is The Secrets of the Kingdom. And that's a reference to a verse in chapter 13 where Jesus says to his disciples that the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom have been given to them. And that makes us think that secrets, not everyone is party to a secret. And perhaps Jesus is telling them that what, what he has to say is not for everyone. And we'll get to that a little bit later on in the series. Perhaps what Jesus is saying isn't actually for everyone. But if you were to take these four chapters from 10 to 13 and highlight everything that Jesus says in red, all Jesus' words in red, there would be very little that's not actually in red. You, you probably can't see this, but, but these, all of these pages, they're just covered in red type because these four chapters are full of what Jesus is teaching his disciples And in these four chapters, we have Jesus teaching us more about his kingdom. And this has been the major theme up until now in Matthew's gospel. A kingdom exists where there is a recognized king. And a kingdom incorporates all of those who come under the authority of the king. And in Matthew's gospel, the idea of kingdom is very important as Jesus is being presented to us as the king of God's kingdom, as the Messiah. Messiah is just another word for king, and it's one that Matthew uses a lot. But as Louise has already mentioned, what Jesus has to say in these four chapters is probably going to be quite difficult for us to hear and to understand. There's a lot of opposition to Jesus just like today. And in chapters 8 and 9, we saw kingdom power as Jesus healed one person after another, as Jesus drove out impure spirits and set people free at every turn. And these miracles will continue, but the focus is more on the hostility that Jesus and his followers are going to face. So we're going to be asking the question, why quite a lot over the next few weeks why does jesus attract such a strong reaction why do people struggle to accept who he is and what he's saying why don't more people today become followers of jesus and we'll get to all of those questions in due course the reality is that Jesus' teaching stirs up trouble he's not come to bring peace, at least not in the sense we might expect. He's come to provoke a reaction. 
And for Jesus, it's a matter of life and death. It's not something that we can just ignore or minimize or play down. People on the outside of this kingdom can easily pass judgment. But we know that the things that Jesus had to say are things that we need to take to heart. And they are things which will transform our values, our vision, and our understanding of the way things work in the world. The kingdom that Jesus talks about here literally turns everything on its head. And that was true 2,000 years ago, and it's still true today. So we should be ready to be challenged and ready to have some of our comforts disturbed as we work through these chapters. But it's a new year, and we don't know what we're going to face. So let's begin with some familiar words and thoughts. I'll just read again the first few verses of Matthew 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and illness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Jesus, these 12... Jesus sent out with the following instructions. I don't know if you noticed, but there's an emphasis in just these verses on these 12 disciples. They were the ones that Jesus called. They are named. They are the ones that Jesus gives his instructions to. But what do we know about these 12 disciples? We know their names, but we don't know a lot else. And there are a few names that we might even struggle to remember in this list. Bartholomew, I was thinking, Thomas, is he in the list? Thomas, I'm sure he's a disciple. He comes in John's Gospel, and then thankfully he is in the list. But they're not all as well known to us as we might imagine. I was reminded earlier this week by one of our elders, that if these people hadn't been chosen by Jesus to be his followers, then they would probably have quickly come to blows because of their different backgrounds. We know that there were two sets of brothers, and earlier on in Matthew, earlier on in the Gospel, Matthew has mentioned that these brothers, Peter and Andrew, James and John, were fishermen, so they knew each other well. We're told that James was the son of Zebedee, probably to distinguish him from James, son of Alphaeus. But even there, we have some family connections. So we've got brothers, we've got sons, and therefore we've got fathers. And as we get to the end of our passage, that's going to be particularly relevant. But we'll get there in a minute. We're reminded that Matthew was a tax collector and Simon was a zealot. So those two are probably the most likely to have come to blows or even to hate each other, I think. And then finally, there's Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus. Already, we're finding out that Jesus is going to be betrayed. 
And in these first few verses of this chapter, we're told what Jesus did. He called his 12 disciples and he gave them the following instructions. And he gave them authority. Authority to do the things that he had been doing, to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and illness. I don't know about you, but I have asked myself the question, is that an authority that we have as well to do these things? We can certainly pray, but do we have the authority to drive out impure spirits and to do these other things that Jesus himself had done and then the 12 had done? And in fact, here in Matthew's gospel, we have Jesus' instructions to them, but we don't have a description of them going and doing these things. Not here in Matthew's Gospel. And then if you look at verse 5, the first instruction that Jesus gives to them is not to go to the Gentiles. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And then five things that they're to do. Heal those who are sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. And in that phrase, freely you have received, freely give, we have another bit of information about these 12 people, perhaps. If they are to give freely as they have received freely, then perhaps they are among those whom Jesus has already healed or chased out in pure spirits. Perhaps that was true for Thomas or for Bartholomew or for James, son of Alphaeus, or any one of them. Because Jesus is telling them that what they've seen him do and what they themselves have received, they are to do. But what about us? Because healing those who are sick, raising the dead, cleansing those who have leprosy, driving out demons, isn't something I can say I've had personal experience of. So here I am, I stand, stand before you, asking myself, well, am I not doing what Jesus wanted me to do? And this is where I think it is helpful that it's very specifically the 12 disciples here that Jesus is addressing. He called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority. These are the names of the 12 apostles these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. And actually, there's a a comparison that we can make because this isn't the only time that the disciples are sent out as recorded by Matthew. If we turn to the end of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, and let's just read the few verses right at the end of this book. And see if we can notice some contrast or comparison. So Matthew 28, verses 
18, 19, and 20. And this is after the resurrection. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So it's interesting, isn't it? Jesus, in Matthew chapter 10, tells his 12 disciples to go. But they're not to go to the Gentiles, or the the actual word there is the nations. They're to go to the lost sheep of Israel. They're to be focused. But after the resurrection, Jesus tells his disciples, and there it's only 11 of them because the one who betrayed Jesus, Judas, has gone. But there he makes it really clear that they are to go to all nations. Now everyone, the invitation and the message is to go to everyone. And that go is, in both cases, is as you go. So whatever we're doing, whatever plans or ideas or work or whatever we're, we're up to, as we go, we are to make disciples. And we need to wrestle with that, and we will wrestle with that. What does it mean to make disciples? How can we be involved in that? Are we involved in that? And this is what I find helpful, this, this contrast, this change. It's not that we can't heal the sick, cleanse people of leprosy, potentially even raise the dead, drive out impure spirits, But we are to make disciples. That's absolutely clear. And Jesus gave authority to the 12 to do those things. But at the end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus says that all authority has been given to him. All authority has been given to him. And therefore, we're to go and make disciples. And perhaps making disciples involves Miracles. It will involve miracles, I'm sure. But the instruction that Jesus gives is to teach people to obey what he has commanded. And that starts with the 11. They are to teach everyone what Jesus taught them. And one of the things that Jesus taught them was to go and make disciples. So those disciples that they're making are also receiving those instructions from Jesus to go and make disciples. And so it continues and goes on until the end of the age. Until the end of the age. Back in chapter 10, Jesus tells them not to take money with them or bags or sandals or things like that. He says that the worker is worth their wages. And it's the workers who are lacking. He's made that very clear at the end of chapter 9. The workers are few. We need more workers. And the first thing that Jesus tells them to do is to pray that the Lord of the harvest will send workers into the harvest field. And that's something that we can do as well, to pray 
that God will send more of his workers into his harvest field. But just as Jesus tells the 12 that they don't need these resources, these physical resources, it's because of what Jesus himself provides. And that's why he makes this promise. The very last words of Matthew's gospel, surely I am with you to the very end of the age. And we don't know what lies ahead of us in 2024. But we know that the end has not yet come. And therefore, until the end comes, Jesus will be with us. And his instruction to make disciples continues, carries on. And it is all about Jesus. That's one of the things that that stands out very clearly from chapter 10. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. Jesus is, is warning them ahead of time what will happen. But even if they were to go out straight away to heal the sick, to raise the dead, and do the things that Jesus has been doing, these words must refer to events that will happen after Jesus' death and resurrection. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what you will say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Jesus is preparing them for something that's going to happen, not immediately, but further on in the future. We're going to look at the second half of this chapter next week. This is just a kind of an introduction. I thought, what title could I give to today? Should I say it's Matthew 10, part one, and then part two next week? Or I started with, and I confused Jeff. Uh, by saying this is instructions for Jesus' disciples, instructions and warnings for Jesus' disciples, and then next week was going to be more warnings for Jesus' disciples. But in the end, I went with a title that is Good News and Bad News, because this chapter begins with really good news. You can imagine being one of the disciples, one of those 12, and hearing Jesus saying, you now have authority to do the things that I have done. And I'm sending you out. And you are special because you are one of the 12 belonging to me. And they're able to do these things, heal heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who had leprosy, drive out demons. They were able to do those things. We know that. And that would have been good news. But how about this? This is how Jesus continues. Brother, will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. This is going to be the reality for them. And maybe we will also taste something of this reality today. The hostility towards Jesus, the hostility towards the message that the kingdom of heaven is near. Perhaps we see some of this in the world today, brother betraying brother to death, 
and a father his child. And this is where the description of Jesus' disciples as brothers and sons comes into it. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. That's sobering teaching. You will be hated by everyone because of me. So we shouldn't expect an easy ride. We shouldn't expect in these chapters to find it easy going. It's going to be challenging, but we need to be up for that challenge because this is reality. We're living in 2024. There is a reality around us. Some people who are open to hearing about Jesus, a lot of people who will ridicule us if we even try to talk about him. So let's be ready for what lies ahead this year. Let's be ready for what lies ahead in these chapters. If you'd like to read these four chapters between now and next week, or even read and read and read, it only takes perhaps 15 minutes to read these chapters. But the more familiar we are with what's going on in these chapters, the closer we will be drawn to Jesus. That's certainly been my my experience. So I'd encourage you to, to read through these chapters before next week. And let's look forward to what else Jesus is going to teach us and say through these chapters.